0: How about worship this morning? Amazing or what? I mean, let's just go into small groups. I got nothing to say. (laughs) Absolutely nothing that hasn't already been said. Praise God. Thank you, Patty, for that powerful prayer. Lord, we just ask that you would be with Rich. Um, Mm -hmm. Lord, that even if we think that everything has been said, that you would... um, use Rich to speak into our hearts that which you want us to hear this morning. I pray, God, just your um, deep healing and comfort and mercy upon him as he's had his hard week and all that he shares with us has just been so much of where we're all living as broken people, fearful people that just are clinging to an invitation to come into relationship with you. So we just give you this morning and thank you for this man. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> you know, I'm, um, I think what's so awesome about this experience, and there are so many things that are awesome about it, but one of the more awesome things is that this is a multi-generational experience. I mean, we have Molly and Joan, the two great matriarchs. You should stand up, both of you, right now. You should stand up right now. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Both of them just started their retirements at 65. They're amazing women. Praise God for them. Joan put her hand on me this morning. Joan McDonald, she prayed for me. She said, Joan, I'm ready. Cut me loose. But I've been in the bullpen, fired up about our worship this morning. Music could not have been better. We had Unbelievable drama, some incredible sneezing and acting. <laughs> it's been a holy morning. God's word. I don't know about you, but I uh, I'm feeling pretty uh, pretty full right now of good stuff. So so far we've uh, we've been talking about wanting to be like Jesus, and in order for us to do that, we got to receive His invitation of grace and love. Not because we deserve it, because we don't. But it's because of the nature of God. It's the nature of God to want to give us his love and forgiveness and his grace. And, and Michelle, not only did he want to give you his love and his grace, but his delight. And man, you're delightful, Michelle. And, and when you laugh, I think it tickles God. And he starts laughing. So not only delight, but joy. But this whole idea we're invited. We're invited into this unbelievable, delightful relationship. And, And then the idea that we need to invite others into our lives, in relationships, to our tables. We need to invite other people to our churches, to our small groups. Because those who are still trying to find their way and without God, they need to know that grace and love. Well, this morning I want to talk about something that we know very clearly would follow what we've been talking about, and that is this whole idea of humble servanthood or servanthood or being servants. I was four years old um, when I met this man for the first time, white-haired, black, bushy-eyebrowed Irishman, through and through, had a broke four years old i met him i met him in a hospital this man this man was named father paschal kelly my middle name is paschal for the first time at the end of his bed i discovered that i was named after father paschal kelly my name is richard paschal fino I wanna show you a couple pictures of this man who exemplified service to me, humble, humble man. He, there we are. I'm the second handsome bow tie wearing guy on the right. (laughs) And this is not the whole family, but this is six of us children. And that's my dad in the background and that's Father Passion in the middle. Look at those eyebrows. Holy buckets. He's a, a gifted, gifted man. I, I, I think I have one more shot of him that I want to show you real quick. And that is, he's been up for sainthood. They're trying to canonize him as a saint because of some of the things that he did in his ministry. And he ministered out of St. Mary's Hospital, which is now Fairview Riverside Hospital, he married my parents, and that picture, that first one you saw, was the 25th wedding anniversary of my parents. He said a mass for them. At a young age of about 42, he was stricken with MS, multiple sclerosis. And he spent about the last 22 years of his life in this hospital doing ministry. He was a chaplain at the hospital, completely paralyzed from his neck down. He said mass daily, He visited the sick in the hospital They made a special wheelchair for him with speakers and a microphone in his mouth so his voice could be heard because it was so weak. And for 19 years, he touched and prayed for the sick. His room was covered with pictures. And as a little boy, I couldn't wait to get there. At least once a month, we'd visit Father Paschal. His room was covered with pictures, pictures of celebrities, Jimmy Durrani, Carol Burnett, you guys weren't even born before some of these people. (laughs) Tony Oliva, a picture of Joe DiMaggio. I just stared at that picture. These were all people that came to visit Father Paschal to be blessed by his presence and to be prayed over. This guy was amazing. What a servant. A quote from this article Father Paschal says, I called on the sick to remind them of God's blessing and love. When people visit me, I want them to leave more alive. I want them to receive new life, he says, from the master that I serve. Sitting at the edge of his bed, I marveled at this sweet holy man. Loved a good joke. Most of the time listening to the Twins game, faithful fan. He said, when I was a teenager, that his secret to life was faithfully serving God and a shot of Irish whiskey every night (laughs) before he went to bed. He said, Richard, go over and look in my closet. Went over to his closet, opened the doors, and there are cases of Irish whiskey. I was thinking to myself, Father Pastor, you could never drink all of this if you're only doing one shot a day. But the reality was, is everybody who came to visit him bought him a bottle of Irish whiskey. The article described him this way. A Christ-like man who lived very close to the heart of God. See, the cool thing about Father Paschal was that he wasn't about himself. See, Clergy, priests, and pastors, we wear these funny colored things around us that follow the seasons of the year. We wear what's called a scapular or a stole. And it's a symbol. It's a symbol of this very thing right here. See, the whole idea was that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples and that pastors and priests are called to be servants first and foremost. We're called to wash the feet of others. Every time he said mass, he put a towel on. Every time he visited the sick, he put a towel on. Every time he told me stories and talked with me and inspired me to want to serve God, he had a towel around his neck. This guy was an imitator of Christ. He had the same attitude of Christ. Christ. He influenced me greatly, influenced me so much that it drove me in a passionate desire to wanna be a priest and then now a pastor, but wanting to serve this intimate Christ that we know so well. That night in the upper room, Jesus laid aside his garment. He took on the towel of a servant and he washed the slimy, dirty feet of his disciples. And he wasn't supposed to be doing it because he truly wasn't a servant paid to serve. There should have been a servant at the door washing the feet of everyone or the disciples should have been washing each other's feet or the feet of Jesus. But he puts the towel on. He puts the towel on and he washes the feet of his disciples. Servanthood. Servanthood is the very revelation of God in our midst. Jesus said he came to serve, that he gave up his godliness, his godhood, to put on a towel to be a servant. Being a servant isn't an easy thing. Being a servant is a difficult call on anyone's life. But there's one thing that we know about this call, and that is it's a call to lower ourselves to see the needs of others, to see those who are cold and those who are sick and those who need encouragement and those who need our love and find ways to jump in the gap and to do what we're called to do. See, Jesus became a servant in spite of the fact that he was God. And our response to him is to imitate Jesus, to be like him, to have the same mindset, but see, this isn't a call for clergy and priests. This is a call for every one of us. The priesthood of all believers in this room. That if we want to be like Jesus, then we've got to serve somebody. We've got to serve somebody. If we want to be like Jesus, out of a heart of gratitude and obedience, out of a heart of grace and love, not out of obligation, not of trying to win merit or brownie points or somehow scratches on the wall of heaven, but we're to put this towel on. Whether we're a parent, whether we're a child, whether we're single, whether we're a single parent, whether we're Joan and Molly, it doesn't matter. We are all called to be servants. See, it's not about working out our salvation or our redemption. It's not about paying for a free lunch. It's our response. It's our response to what God has done for us. We don't have to serve. We don't have to pay for lunch. But you know what? We wouldn't be imitators of Christ. It was our first Christmas in Pasadena. Recently married, about three months, living in a foreign place, not knowing a single lick in the world we started the journey of graduate school together. We went to church that morning after a cool evening with a Puerto Rican family experiencing their Christmas celebration. And I stayed, all, I stayed up most of the night with dad, Rafi, uh, putting together a Barbie doll van for Joelle, his daughter. That could not have been more difficult. <laughs> Holy buckets, so many decals and things, and it never made sense to me, and and I discovered then, like I've discovered so many times with instructions, you got to start at the beginning and work your way to the end, (laughs) instead of starting in the middle or at the end. Men, raise your hands. You know what I'm talking about, you licks. Christmas morning, first time ever, no snow boots, 75 degrees, walking to church, never experienced that before. Pasadena has the largest population of homeless people of anywhere in Southern California because it's the only city where it's legal to sleep in city parks and anywhere in Pasadena. There we are at our first Christmas morning service. And we find out that there's a feeding in the main city park that morning. There's a feeding at the primary park in Pasadena, a huge park, It's about a mile in circumference. And we heard that morning that anyone could come to serve the hungry and the homeless. And we arrived that morning uh, with some food about noon, wondering where we would help most effectively. For four hours, we were blessed. We fed 1,800 people. I had never experienced a miracle of meat like this in all my life. All of the meat was brought by people in the community. Folks would drive up in Mercedes Benz and have three turkeys and four hams in their trunk. All the other food was provided except for the main course, the meat. And somehow every year enough people brought enough meat to feed 1800 folks. There were people there that I had seen many times on the streets of Pasadena. I saw Billy, who I talked to many times, in a wool army coat, smelled like sweat. Hadn't showered for months, high top tennis shoes, ragged and tagged. And there was Billy waiting in line. And then I looked up and I saw a guy we called The Spinner. The Spinner was a, a guy who suffered severely from mental illness. His story was that, 26 years old, as a taxi driver and a student at UCLA, he was beaten and robbed by a group of kids with baseball bats. The spinner we would see everywhere, and especially on the street corner of our apartment complex. Angry as could be, and he was pivoting on one foot the whole time and calling out every single swear word in the world at Satan and at God, tormented by voices. Asians and blacks and whites and Hispanics, young and old, whole families are not only there eating, but serving. It was an incredible experience. Hundreds of volunteers. So I, Jody gets into something that requires some skill and, and some thoughtfulness and creativity. They put me over in the butcher section <laughs> where I'm cutting up meat like crazy. And I figured that day, I think I, I cut up about 22 turkeys and, and like 15 hams. It was unbelievable. My hands just ached. I looked over at this father and son. He was about 65 years old. Son was about 40 standing next to each other. These dudes had belts with knives in them. And I thought, these guys got to be butchers. This guy pulls out this hone and whoosh, 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 sharpening that knife. So I said to him, Mom, which meat shop do you guys work at? Dad says, well, I've, I'm a vice president of a company here in Edina, or in Pasadena. And his son said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a doctor at the hospital. It was a most incredible experience. It, it blew our minds away. And it became a tradition of ours. And we talked about this, and the day that we would have children, that our children would experience the same thing that we experienced because it's in serving others. It's in serving others that we see the grace of God and we receive the grace of God. Christ, if he's my king, then he's redefined greatness by taking on the towel. Jesus does this over and over in the New Testament. It's an amazing thing to see how he has served So if we wanna be like Jesus, if we wanna be like Jesus, then we have to be a servant. We have to lower ourselves. We have to respond to this intimate relationship. We have to have the same mindset and put on the towel. So something I want you to think about this morning, I want you to think about this idea of servanthood, not by yourself not alone, but in community with others. In community and fellowship with your single young adult friends. Community and fellowship and servanthood as single parents with children. Serving together as families alongside of each other. We have, we have three children. Our kids are as norm, normal as anybody. And uh, really, Michelle, you don't, you don't even know what you're in as far as adolescence. Because we had three of them, and it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. I learned more of those years than I could have ever wanted to learn. But we survived. So look at us. There's a little bit of hope. We have three children that their worldview is so expanded beyond what I could have ever imagined. They're, they've been to, some of them have been to South Africa, two of them. And and Africa and Thailand serving. And people will frequently say, tell tell us what makes your kids kind of different. And and I said, well, they're like their mom, first of all. (laughs) But they are. And second of all, what really shaped the character of our children was that as early as they could possibly stand on a chair and put a banana on a homeless person's plate, They did it. We served every month as a family at Loaves and Fishes when our youngest was two years old because that was a profound experience and a teachable moment for us. After every time we would serve at this homeless shelter and this mealtime, the kids would ask me questions like, Dad, why doesn't that man have teeth? And I'd be able to explain because, because he's a meth addict and he wears away his teeth. And one time, Jesse said, dad, how come that guy that I was trying to talk to, he, he, he talks so weird and funny. I said, Jesse, because he was intoxicated. He was drunk. He, he drinks all the time just to survive the pain. And, and a number, another time, I remember Kirsty saying, dad, how come these people smell so bad? And I said, honey, it's because they, they live on the street. They don't They don't have an opportunity to take a shower. I want to encourage you to find ways to serve because I think the single most thing that formed and shaped the character of our children is the fact that they knew that the world was bigger than them. They knew that there were others out there that had much less than them and that they had been blessed and that they needed to bless others with the abundance and the blessing they had. So as a family, I wanna encourage you mom and dads, don't serve by yourself or with other women or other men, take your kids along and do it together. There's something so powerful about serving. And many of you in this room understand that. I I know some of you that that serve kids at a ministry called Treehouse, kids that are so destitute and lost and alone and forgotten that they're cutting their skin all the time. These kids, some of them in, in our city, in Bloomington, Richfield, and all around our city, there's kids desperately in need of love. And there's individuals in this room that go and sit in a small group with them. And they sit in that small group and they listen and they love these kids. I want to encourage you all to get involved in serving God. Not because you're trying to win favor, but because you're trying to imitate Christ. If you want to be like Jesus, then you need to serve somebody. Because to whom much has been given, much is expected. Let's pray together. I was hungry and you formed a humanities club to discuss my anger. And I was imprisoned and you... You crept off quietly to a chapel to pray for my release. And I was naked, and in your mind, you debated the morality of my appearance. And when I was sick, you knelt and thanked God for your health. But I needed you. And I was homeless, and you preached to me of the shelter and the love of God, but really, I just needed a home. I was lonely. And you left me alone to pray. Why didn't you stay with me? Sometimes we seem so holy and so close to God. But around us, there are many that are hungry and lonely and cold and still in pain. God, help us. Help us like Paschal and help us like so many people in our lives, Mother Teresa and so many others to help us to put on the towel, to humble ourselves, to metaphorically kneel before others and wash their feet by addressing their needs. Give us the strength and the courage to do that, not alone, but with others in community and help us not to do it just once in a while so that we feel good, but help us Do it in such a way that that it brings about greater justice. And so help us to be about that, your servants, making a difference in this world, imitating you, Christ, because you humbled yourself. You said it wasn't about being God, but it was about being a servant and serving us serving us to the very point of a cross. Call us to get beyond ourselves, outside of ourselves, because love wins. Gracious God, when we serve, we learn how to receive, receive more of your grace and love. So stir in us a desire, a desire to make a difference. Desire to serve those around us who we see in need in our cities and neighborhoods in our world. In your holy name I pray. Amen.